This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Wells Fargo Championship. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, happy Wells Fargo week. You know, it is a happy Wells Fargo week because I'm so much more excited about this because we don't have Raman Scheffler. And again, this is a DFS show, so I'm just saying from a DFS standpoint – I really like just the idea of building lineups, not having to worry about, you know, one of the two best guys. And let's be real right now about Rory McIlroy. And of course, we're going to talk about him in a minute, but I don't put him in the class right now. And maybe I should, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being short-sighted, prisoner of the moment, whatever, recency bias. But I don't put him in the same class as Rom or, or Scheffler. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. So to have those two guys not in here, it just make it lends itself to build very creatively if that's what you choose to do. Well, very sweet of those two to call one another and coordinate mm-hmm. their off week so that everybody else would have a chance. They have absolutely dominated uh, these designated events here in 2023. And one of them will not win this week, which will be interesting. Um, before we jump into the tournament, I will remind everyone that the fan vote for the one and done, that link is in the description. So you can go get your vote in for who you want to play in a one and done $20 million purse. The fans are right in the thick of it. They're making some pretty decent picks. So that link is available and we are going live uh, Tuesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. So get your picks in. The field... And the course, see ya. Uh, outside of John Rahm, outside of Scotty Scheffler, there's a couple other guys who are eligible to play that are not. I think Billy Horschel, uh, Hideki Matsuyama is actually back in Japan getting some treatment for his neck. But otherwise, this is your elevated event, absolutely stacked field, what we've seen already a handful of times this, this season. Yeah, absolutely stacked field. And again, it's a little different, though, because we don't have Rom or Scheffler. So it's a stacked field with a bit of an asterisk. And I think it's uh, more than a bit of an asterisk, fa- frankly, because, Rick, I don't know about you, but when I look at the top of the odds board and I see you know guys like Rory and, and, and Xander and Cantley, it just doesn't seem all three of those guys could win. They have a ton of win equity. I get it, but it just doesn't seem quite as intimidating at, at the top. And I'm not suggesting you shouldn't start your lineups with one of those three guys or, you know, throw Tony Fina in the mix. But man, it's just, it, it's, I'm not, I don't look at the, the top of this board and say, oh, this is the Masters. You know, this is, uh, this is the PGA Championship. It just feels a little bit different. All right. Well, I, I am interested to talk through uh, the top of the board. But before we do that, let's talk about the golf course. Troy, if you could share my screen, that would be splendid. This is my website, rickrungood.com. And the course we are at. Well, hollow. Now let's just get uh, this part out of the way, Sia, because there is a difference this week between course history and tournament history. So we <laughs> have played the Wells Fargo Championship forever. Uh, last year, it was not played at Quail Hollow. It was played at TPC Potomac. That is when Max Homa won. 2020, there was no event because it was during the COVID shutdown. And then in 2017, when Brian Harmon won the Wells Fargo Championship, that was at Eagle Point because they were saving Quail Hollow for the PGA Championship. And, and last year, they were saving it for the President's Cup. So uh, I do caution people to look strictly, see at tournament history because they might get a couple of of outliers in there that screw them up. Yeah, and maybe the solution there, just to make it easy, and I'm not saying this is the right answer, but maybe you just want to look at 
2021, 2019, 2018. I mean, if, if you want to go further back than that, be my guest. But obviously, you don't want to include 2017 there as just sort of spelled out. But for me, when I look at tournament history, I'm probably and I, I've been kind of like shying a little bit away from tournament history in terms of I look at it, but I don't wait it as much as I might have last year at this time. But I'm probably going to be focused in on 2021. 2019, 2018, and then I'm kind of calling it a day from the history standpoint. All right, fair enough. Well, this golf course, uh, as you can probably imagine, because they've used it for a PGA championship, as you can probably imagine, because they've used it for a President's Cup. It's it's a it's a big boy golf course. It's a, it's the real deal. It is one of the longer par 71s that we have on the schedule. The scorecard's got it about 7,500 yards, and see, it's gonna it's gonna ask you for a lot off the tee. It's gonna ask you for a lot on the second shot and you know the winning scores have generally been 10 ish sometimes we can get to 14 sometimes it's only eight but this is not going to be a birdie fest on on the schedule no and, and i think really what you just said there rick is driving accuracy is really important no, I'm kidding. So that's probably something like for this tournament, you're not necessarily going to want to look at too much. Listen, being in the fairway is great. So I, that, it's not it's not a demerit to have uh, your ball in the fairway here. But I definitely think the off the tee game, just in general, off the tee is going to be huge here. We see driving distance. I mean, just looking at this, this highest correlated stats to success on YouTube here at rickrungood.com, the second and third you know, ones here are strokes gain off the tee and driving distance. And we see that like this isn't one of those where well, this doesn't really match up to what we've seen with like previous winners and previous leaderboards. This really matches up. So, yeah, long iron play critical uh, iron play in general is always going to be critical, but long irons would be the emphasis. But driving distance off the tee game in particular, um, pretty important putting. I'm probably putting a little bit more import on than maybe just your run of the mill tournament. Uh, we obviously have Bermuda grass here, but yeah, the, the bombers uh, keep in mind though, this is a DFS show. So everybody's sort of honing in on the same guys, like all, all of us, you know, especially in our single entry tournaments, it's usually similar crowds there when you, when you've got those smaller single entries. So just know that, everybody's honing in on the bombers that everybody's looking at long iron play in, in those buckets, whether you should be looking at that or not is a different question, but so be ready to pivot, especially when you hear some of these guys in the industry um, like ourselves for that, for that matter, like that, that are just talking about guys and you just hear names over and over again. I'm not saying you should pivot off of those names, but just bear in mind the names that are around those names, because if they're not getting mentioned and they might be equally a, a, a good play, it's just something to consider with, with the narrative out there already. Well, I also think that um, while we, I think a lot of people, and, and I'm, I'm certainly capable of falling, falling into this flaw of, you know, it, it's not like this top six guys, it's not like the optimal lineup is going to be a bunch of bombers who hit their long irons. Well, right. Right. Like when, when, when you look at the, the course key stats and it says, okay, well, strokes gained off the tee is highly correlated to success. It's like, yeah, but that that's not the only way to get it done you know there's going to be maybe a brian Harmon, right brian Harmon has had good success at this event over the years right it's not like those are the only guys that are allowed to have success so i use it as a a blueprint but not necessarily a, a gospel 100 and i i definitely think you should be peppering in your lineups uh with with a couple of players that that are that maybe not brian Harmon specifically but that brian Harmon type that are just going to be clean in the fairway and, and decent with their long iron play and can pop here and there because obviously if if they're really good with the long irons and and they're great off the tee and they keep it in the fairway well everybody's already going to be on those guys so just keep in mind uh where the pivots might be <laughs> Okay, well, uh, we'll start talking about some names and then we'll start talking about some pivots as well. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partner. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Here is the cheat sheets for golfers. See over $10,000. Rory McElroy leads the way. 11,100. Xander Shoffley, 10-7. Patrick Cantlay, 10-5. And Tony Finau, 10-2. Notably, no John Robb. Notably, no Scotty Scheffler. So we've got a different set of names to consider this week. Where are we going? Yeah, I mean, just again, I, I know I just said I'm sort of not emphasizing history quite as much, but the one thing that I will say that that it's a little different among these top four, and you don't usually get this because normally you got you got Rom and Scotty and, and Rory and, and whoever else can't lay Xander. And usually you have like three or four that have like really good history. And again, th- what we're looking at right now is limited to five years, but it's really limited to three years, right? Because we're not going to count 2022 and we're not going to count uh, 2017 that weren't played at this venue. Yep. So when you look at Rory's history here, it's pretty compelling. Uh, You know, I I don't know if I want to play where I certainly don't want to bet him at plus 750 in the market. Um, I will say this, it's really easy to build lineups this week. So building with Rory, if if you like Rory, is going to be pretty easy um, the way this is priced. But for me, if I had to pick a top two, I'm, I'm probably skipping over Rory. I'm just a little afraid. It's probably going to be Patrick Cantlay and maybe Tony Finau. Thrice a winner. At this uh, at this golf course for Rory McIlroy, he's gaining 2.86 strokes per round over 38 rounds at Quail Hollow. Uh, I will send this out in my email newsletter uh, tomorrow, but I, I will spoil it right now. That is the third best player course combination on tour with at least uh, 20 rounds. The only two that are better since 2008, Tiger Woods at Bay Hill and Patrick Cantlay at TPC Summerlin. And then it's Rory McIlroy at Quail Hollow. So as many of uh, good places that Rory has, and he's got a lot of them, this is his best one. And so here's the thing: what, what does that mean for ownership? And this is a this is not rhetorical, Rick. I wonder what you think here because everybody's going to know that by Wednesday when they're like finalizing their lineups, and everybody's going to know he's kind of been on a break, and you know he's had sporadic bad play. But I feel like because it's easy to build lineups, I feel like he does get jammed in. He's not going to be like 30% or anything. But uh, and listen, if you think he's going to win, play him anyway. It doesn't matter. I just wonder how ownership's going to fall because I don't really think – what you just said is really compelling. And he's a superstar. But I don't know. There, there's just so much talent right below him, including in the 9K range, that I, I'm just not sure I'm going to get there. It sounds like you, you're probably going to get there, though. Yeah, I mean, it's not without concern, right? You know, I, I I love what he's done here. I love the skill set. I I mean, he's missed two of his last three cuts. He, you know, hasn't played. I always I never know what to do with the guy who hasn't played in basically a month, right? It, you know, would I would I rather see him play his way into this? So, it it is not like a for me at least a home run, no concerns. You know, ten out of ten. It's like. An eight and a half out of 10. I, I know what I'm getting myself into. I, I like everything about it, but I understand there is at least some level of concern there. And I do, I just do wonder what the general vibe on Rory McIlroy is around the industry. Yeah. Right now. I think because we don't have Brom here and we don't have Scotty and it's just a Monday and we're just going to constantly hear how good Rory is at Quail Hollow. I don't think his ownership is going to be prohibitive in any way, shape, or form. And, and for anybody that you think is going to win, their ownership isn't prohibitive because you think they're going to win. But I feel like it's just going to slowly and slowly tick up on Rory McIlroy for whatever that's worth. Uh, the rest of the 10K race, 10K range is pretty compelling. So Xander Patrick can't like Tony Finau. I'll, I'll just point out here, you know, last 36 rounds, just raw strokes gained. It's Patrick Cantlay who's been the best in this field. And I, I do wonder, Sia, because I'm I'm in on I'm in on Cantley. The ball striking's yeah. been phenomenal. He's been great. I kind of like this whole thing where everyone it's now cool to like hate Patrick Cantley. Okay, don't don't play him. I'll, like, yeah. I'll, I'll play him. That's fine. I hate Patrick Cantley. He takes too long. He's annoying. Go, don't don't play him. You definitely should not. 
Yeah, it's funny because you were talking about strokes gained a second ago. One thing I've been looking at on, on your site specifically is weighted T to green. I'm looking at all the weighted stuff, but weighted T to green specifically, kind of a global stat. And he's number one last 24 rounds, which shouldn't be a huge surprise, but I think it's worthy of pointing out. Yeah, he's he's probably my favorite guy in the 10K range. It's hard to dismiss any of these guys because I think Xander is fine. I think Tony Finau is fine. Uh, and Roy is obviously great. Uh, but for me, I'm building a lot. And I've already built like four or five lineups because it was so fun to build this week. It hasn't been as fun to build over the last few weeks just because of the setups and the pricing. It was fun to build this week. And, and I'll tell you, I started a lot of lineups. I've maybe built five or six. I started a lot of lineups. And by the way, I'm going to change these. They're kind of placeholder-ish. Um, a lot of them started in the 9K range. But the ones that started in the 10K range began with Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, so I think I'm Cantlay, Rory, Finau, Xander. Now it is early on a Monday. I do not know what the projected ownership is going to be. There's a this is all very close, but I think that's where I fall. Xander is just kind of he's an awkward price, which yes. which when he checks in on Wednesday at like eleven percent, I'll be interested. But you know what I mean? It's just like you have the opportunity to save two hundred dollars, go down, get Patrick Cantlay, spend up, go get Roy McElroy. He kind of gets stuck in the sandwich here and and makes it a little bit awkward. Yeah. And I think he's compelling enough where that even though the, you've got the awkward price, it's not like we're actually going to see 11 percent. It's probably it's probably going to be in that weird ownership range where it's like he's 14 to 16 percent. And it's just like that's a normal number. And Patrick Cantley is going to be somewhere between you know 17 and 19 percent. So like the, the disparity between those two and even Roy McElroy and Tony Finau, it's not going to be super significant. I think Tony Finau is probably going to be the the lowest owned of these four? That's my guess. Interesting. Finau is, um, you know, the, the, I guess the only argument here is uh, he's been phenomenal. The win, the, the strength of field of the wins has not, has not particularly been great. And you look at what he's done at the designated events and it's been, it's been okay. T14 in Phoenix, T20 at Riviera, T19 at the players championship. Like these are all fine. Why, why is it that Tony's going to be the, the lowest owned? Well, because I, okay. So first of all, Roy and Patrick are definitely going to be more owned than Tony Fee now, because anytime you're in the 10 K range or above, those two are just going to just going to out outbid him. And then I think Xander is compelling enough with the recent play in elevated events where it's like, all right, this is my time. I think the the mindset for people is, well, I don't play Xander a lot, but I think this is the tournament where I think Xander can pop. This is the tournament where Xander might win. And I don't think people have that same feeling about Tony Finau in a designated elevated event. I think they think Tony Finau can be fine, but they'd rather play Tony Finau when he's like 9,100 or 9,200 in, in, a, in a major, which often he is, you know, kind of in that lower range. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the 9K range where you said a lot of your lineups were starting. Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, Max Homa, Matt Fitzpatrick. Then the bottom is uh, Victor, Sungjae, and Jason Day. So uh, I'm assuming a lot of these guys are going to be pretty popular. How are we going about allocating our funds here? Yeah, I really want to. I really want to know how ownership shakes out at the top of this 9K range, specifically with guys like Max Homa, who have great history and are great golfers, but recent history, recent form has been yeah. like pretty bad. Like we're pulling up Max Homa now. For those of you that are listening on audio, you should probably watch this because you get to see all the ins and outs of, of RRG. But yeah, this ball striking, like I, I don't really have an explanation for this. Uh, so he he actually was uh, what we would deem the luckiest in the match play. He played the worst and won his group. He also got the benefit of a WD from, I think it was Hideki in that group, but didn't play well there. Didn't play well at the Masters, uh, finished T43, missed the cut at the RBC Heritage. I can give him a pass for missing the cut with Colin Morikawa at the at the Zurich. It's a, it's a weird event with a weird format, but it still does not elicit a ton of confidence going back to a place that he's won, an event that he's won twice. It's just, it's tough. That's a tough, that's a tough click. And for the record, and, and that's the thing, like, I wonder how tough a click it is ultimately. D does that mean his ownership gets super low? It's just something to consider, obviously. I think he is going to be one of the lower owned in this 9K range. But even at the Zurich, just watching that group, I mean, it wasn't very impressive for Max Homa. Like, he just looked like a lot of mistakes were being made. So it's not like he was, the trajectory has all of a sudden, you know, changed from what we've seen uh, over the last few tournaments. Where I like this range is at the bottom like all of the bottom. So let's say Victor Hovland, Sung J.M., Jason Day. I mean, they rate out so well for me, uh, whether you're looking at driving distance, which which 
really that's more Hovland's department, but Sungjae and Jason Day certainly uh, are, are okay there too. It, it, the weighted tee to green is great, uh, especially, well, really for all three. Um, I, I don't see how you get around not playing one, two, or three of these guys. And by the way, if you want to play all three, you can start. You can start your lineup with Hovland, Sungjae, and Jason Day. It leaves you with $7,567. Now, just to give you a little bit of perspective, now let's do just Xander and Hovland. It leaves you with $7,525. Now, for even more perspective, let's layer on a different one. Rory and Jason Day, just those two, leaves you with $7,475. So you actually have more left over when you have Hovland, Sungjae, and Jason Day versus basically one of those two guys I mentioned in the 10K range and then one of the three guys that, that I've mentioned in this low 9K range. So it... You know, from a win equity standpoint, I haven't done the math there, Rick, but I like all three of these guys, especially in an event without Raman Scott. Interesting. Yeah, the the Hovland ball striking numbers are stupid good. Um, and he's only played here once and he finished T3 and just knocked the cover off the ball. Sungjae, Sungjae has been just quietly going about his business as one of the, the most well-rounded golfers on tour. He does it great in the ball. Like this is phenom- a phenomenal uh, stat profile, especially the way that he that he hits it and he can get hot with the putter as well. And then here's... Here's J-Day, who we know has kind of had this little bit of, of resurgence here, and the T-degree numbers have been have been really stout. I want to see his history around here. So last year at TPC Potomac, he finished T-15, T15 missed the cut here in 2021, uh, T-24 in 2019. He won it in 2018. And then it was six years prior the last time he played it. So okay, yeah. I mean, that's it's a it's a pretty strong trio there in the bottom of the nine K range. Yeah, interesting. The year he won it, he uh, he gained eight point two five with the putter, and his ball striking was just kind of ho hum. So I that I just think that's uh, somewhat interesting there. I mean, obviously, if your short game is elite, which it was, I mean, he gained up what was that thirteen strokes yeah, in, with mean, the short was, game alone. That's like vintage J Day, right? Where he just made like every thirty footer for eighteen straight months and just like. Yeah, that was he he did some scary stuff with the putter back then. I don't know if it should concern me that he's lost two out of three uh, off the tee, but but prior to that, and I don't think it really concerns me, frankly. Prior to that, he's he's excellent off the tee, and I think he has plenty of distance. So um those are the three guys I like in the nine K range. I will say I'm probably more bullish on Jordan Spieth than most. You know, the mm-hmm. the idea of um there's a distinction to be made around having to be good off the tee, but not necessarily accurate like the rough isn't super thick around here you you can whiff it a little bit and and spray it a little bit uh which is the the only thing that i could say bad about jordan spieth but his second shot numbers are phenomenal um the putter is is back the short game's magic you're gonna miss a lot of greens around here I, i prefer to have an above average uh short game player and jordan spieth is is right there in it in it right now so he he's the only other one that i feel i'm i'm probably higher on than than most at this point yeah. And there's plenty of other great names. I mean, Colin's a fine name. Uh, Max Home, if you want to play that card and hope for a bounce back, Matt Fitzpatrick has suddenly come on and, and shaken off what we thought might be, you know, a neck injury. So the 9K range is rich for sure. And there's even more names in the 8K range, which we will continue with after a quick word from our partners. And we're back. The $8,000 range sure is rich with some golfers. Justin Thomas, 8,900. Ricky Fowler and Cam Young at the top. We get the middle of Sam Burns, Terrell Hatton, Tom Kim. And we round it out with Sahith, Shane Lowry, Brian Harmon, and Tommy Fleetwood. So still plenty of viable options here, Sam. Yeah, and this is where you look at pricing and, and and a couple names pop out. We just saw this with Justin Thomas. He was literally, I think, the same exact salary at 8,900 a couple of weeks back. Ricky Fowler at 8,800 is interesting. Like Ricky Fowler is certainly back. It's just interesting to see him ahead of Cameron Young and even Sam Burns for that matter. Um, certainly a good track record here. And the ball striking has been so – oh, that's Rory, I was going to say. Uh, yes. But it's still, the ball striking has been so good. Um with the exception of a, of a couple of hiccups at the Wells Fargo specifically. Yeah. And so the, the ultimate course horse, Rory McElroy, 2.86 strokes gained per round at quail hollow. The only guy with, you know, as many rounds or close to rounds who has been as good as Ricky, Ricky Fowler's second, right? I mean, he's been, he's been great around this place. And obviously he is uh, playing some of the best golf we've seen in the last couple of years. I expect him see it to be probably one of the more popular guys on the slate. You think so? Yeah, well, no. 
uh, so I, I think in this 8K range, I, I'm not saying he's not going to be popular. I, I think in this 8K range, you're going to see a lot of flat lies, if you will. Um, just a terrible play on words. But I think Ricky, Cameron Young, I think Sam Burns gets a little bit of ownership because people are starting to see the upside come back with Sam Burns. And he certainly looks like a good course fit. Terrell Hatton at 8,500 is going to be popular. Tom Kim, probably a little less so. But then there's Sahith, Shane Lowry. I mean, Brian Harmon, not so much. But I just think as popular as Ricky might be, I don't know that it's going to be that much more popular than Cameron Young or even Shane Lowry. And I, I think Sahith is going to pick up steam as this week goes too. So yeah, he'll be popular, but it's not going to be like a, a staggering number by any means. Oh, oh, by the way, Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas at 8,900. I think people will be very interested in that. Yeah. JT's kind of the lurking giant here, right? Oh, that's the wrong Justin. That's Justin. So let's try Justin Thomas. Um, he was 8,900 at the RBC Heritage, which I think we mentioned then. It was like the cheapest you have gotten him in years, and he's right back at 8,900. I, I guess I liked what I saw at the RBC mm-hmm. Heritage. He gained five and a half strokes ball striking. He still struggles with the flat stick. It, it feels it feels like we are going to get a Justin Thomas win soon, but I must admit, Sia, I've probably felt that way for a year. Yeah, so I don't even think that's the appropriate question for Justin Thomas. I think the appropriate question is, will we see him late on a Sunday afternoon contending soon? Because we're, we're seeing a ton of talent. And I just mentioned Cameron Young and Sahith Tagal. I'm not saying they're the better golfer than Justin Thomas necessarily, but I, I just don't even know that Justin Thomas is really – is really kind of contending with those guys when it comes to late in the day on Sunday. And so, you know, I think he's a fine play at 8,900. I love what I saw at the RBC. I love that he only lost a, you know, a stroke with the putter. Like that can bounce back. He might be finding something, who knows, but the ball striking is there. Certainly a good course fit. Um, I, I like Justin Thomas. It's just, there's so many other guys I like in the 8k range. I mean, if I had to rank them, he's not in my top three. I'll probably, I'll probably take the bait on Cam Young. I like Sam Burns and I like Sahith. Yeah, obviously, uh, JT's first PGA Championship came here at Quail Hall. That was the the 2017 version. Cam Young is um, he's an animal. He sets up well for this place. He 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 finished. Well, I guess he finished runner up at, at TPC Potomac last year. But um, the the dude has shown us that it doesn't matter what golf course it is. He he can he can fire away. So is is Tom Kim is Tom Kim the pivot here? Right. I mean, everybody's yes. going to look at this say big ballpark. Tom Kim doesn't hit it far. He's going to be the lowest owned guy here. He'll be the, well, I mean, Brian Harmon is probably going, no, Brian, I don't know. Cause Brian Harmon has a couple of good starts around here. Yeah, he does. So you're right. Yeah, it's good. You're right. It's going to be Tom Kim. And I don't think Brian Harmon's going to have tremendous ownership. Um, but I think he'll, he'll be there. I mean, I, I look at the seven K range and I think there's some, some places to go off of Harmon there, but yeah, Tom Kim, I think is an okay play. This is one of those situations where a quote shorter hitter, can succeed, but but he's going to be largely ignored. Yeah, this would be the guy that I would circle of like he's not going to model well, right? Like when I when I go run a model and I and I put in distance and but like he's not going to model well. Mm-hmm. He's played uh, sneaky better, so I would rather this profile. It's not the two wins in four starts, but it's gain eight zero gain five lose mm-hmm. two gain 10 you know gain six zero gains i i would rather that and i don't know what it's worth it certainly doesn't hurt it's got joe scovern on the bag all all of those ricky fowler great results yeah. from well hollow were with joe scovern on the bag so i um whatever that's worth maybe nothing maybe one percent maybe 50 percent. i don't know Th- that this feels like the sneaky pivot here to access a little bit of a uh, little bit of ownership. It does. I will tell you though, I'm probably not going to do it. I'll probably find pivots elsewhere or just make sure my lineup construction is, is unique so that I, that that functions as a pivot in its own right. Joseph in the chat makes a really great point. Uh, the president's cup that got everybody all hot and bothered. Yeah. About Tom Kim and everybody crowned him afterwards was here. Yeah, which I still think it was only like two and three or something like the record wasn't even that good, but it was just a ton of solid play. Mm -hmm. It's a very good call, Joseph. Well done. Are we done here in the eights? I think so. Um, I mean, I again, you can make an argument for so many of these guys. So it's just a matter of uh, who you like the best. For me, I think Sam Burns is super sneaky. Um, happy to pivot off of Cameron Young if, if I think he's going to get a lot of ownership. But I, I like him a lot. And then I think Sahith is really emerging. I don't think he's a bad course fit either. W- without he, Granted, he has no experience here. The 
7K range, I think this is where we actually start to see like the first drop off. I mean, it's a very, very deep field. So it took a while mm-hmm. to get here. There's still a lot of, of great names that I'm excited to play, but I think it's tangibly worse for the first time. Um, so Corey Connors, Matt Kuchar at the top. It goes all the way down to Taylor Pendrith, SH Kim, Sam Stevens, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, a lot of names here, Sia. How do we want to attack it? I wrote I wrote I wrote out so many names for this uh, for this section. So which is which is standard for a 7K range. I'll try to limit it. I mean, I'll start at the top. Like a lot of the names I like are actually at the bottom in the 7100, 7K, 7200 range. But the, the names at the top that I'm at least interested in, I think the two that I'm interested in the most are Wyndham Clark, who I think is a great course fit. Uh, weighted T degree numbers are great, as you might expect. Driving distance really isn't as good as maybe you think, but it's still really good. Um, putter's obviously good. Keegan's another guy. Um, so it's it's both Clark and Keegan at the top of the range that I'm a big fan of. And, and Keegan grades out pretty well for me too, especially with the long irons. Yeah, there's a couple of guys that um, started slow and played much, much better. Wyndham Clark did not play well on Thursday, makes the cut, and he was one of the better. I bet you I bet you, he had the, one of the most strokes gained. Yeah, so rounds two, three, and four last week, he gained 8.4 strokes to the field. It was the like fifth best mark. The other one would be um, Patrick Rogers, who got better each and every day last week. Same thing, just played well over the final two. So I'm I'm not going to skewer them over you know one bad round or just kind of getting better as we as we go along. And both of those guys should still be decent fits for this golf course. So it, it's it's pretty interesting how I mean I still got I've got like a ton more names I could consider here too. Oh yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you in, let me just go to the low seven K range. I mean, this, you know, you're either going to be right or wrong in this seven K range, but there's just so many that, that you could potentially be right about. I I think for me, when I'm building my lineups, uh, I'm going to have some sort of like a bit of a rotation here in the seven K range. And then in the eight and nine and 10 K range, I'm just going to kind of stick to my guns, but Clark and Keegan at the top, I think Taylor Moore is interesting, but when yeah. we get to the bottom, Bo Hostler at 7,200, he's, your friend. He's really impressing me. And by the way, he has the driving distance to contend here. Kitayama is interesting to me at 7,200. Ben on at 7,100. Another guy with really good weighted T to green and really good um, driving distance numbers. And then a guy we talk about a lot, but just doesn't get enough attention. SH Kim at a flat 7K. Um, decent driving distance. Doesn't knock it out of the park, but he's solid. And he's just been swinging it really well. So I think he at 7,000, maybe Wallace at 7,000. There's a lot of guys down in that 7-ish K range that can make the cut and do some damage on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. SH Kim has got three straight top 25s. He's missed two cuts this year. One was the American Express. That was in January. The other was the players. I couldn't give a lot of guys, a lot of guys missed the cut. The players, not a big deal. I agree. Mm -hmm. Taylor Moore's been playing awesome golf. I mean, I would even look at somebody like, uh, if you want elite skill, like Hayden Buckley has an elite skill set. He drives the ball beautifully. Even during his little slump, he drove it beautifully. Like, I don't mind that whatsoever. Where is our buddy? I mean, the guy that I'll stare at, uh, and I'd love to hear your opinion, I'll, I'll just stare at all week long is Gary Woodland. And it's because he is phenomenal off the tee, phenomenal with his second shots. He gained another nine strokes ball striking last week. But he literally like needs to out-hit one of the worst putters on the PGA Tour. And gaining nine strokes ball striking in a field in Mexico and finishing T39 is unacceptable. That's unbelievable, actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm one of those guys that sort of I take Gary Woodland when things are trending in the right direction and then he sort of crashes and burns. I just wonder how Gary Woodland is in an elevated field. I mean, T14 at the Masters, that that does tell me something. Finish T9 at Riviera. T9 at Riviera. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I think he's a fine play. Finished fifth year um, last time he played. All right. Now you're convincing. I'm, tr- I'm just trying. I'm just like trying to convince myself. <laughs> I, this is one of those situations where I see it on a Friday afternoon and I'm thinking, oh, man, he's got to make this putt to make the cut. It's I, like I'm, I'm going to play him. I'm going to watch him miss 17 six footers. Right. It, it, listen, when it comes to upside, you really you really just have to try to grade him out relative to his peers around him. And there's plenty of reason to like Gary Woodland and, and like his upside. I'm probably going to go with Keegan Bradley. I'll probably go with Wyndham Clark instead. But in terms of a third place guy in that sort of um, upper mid 7K range, I, I think Gary Woodland's fine as a third place guy there. Trying to see if there's anybody else. Um <laughs> 
Taylor Pendrith is $7,000. He played well enough last week, got a little momentum from, from Zurich, carried it over, hits it a mile, should gain a ton of strokes off the tee. I don't mind that. I'm just trying to see if there's anybody else here. Ben Martin? That, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a Ben Martin podcast, right? I mean, he just this all, all he does is uh, put up decent finish. He finished 11th here in 2021, last time they played it at Quail Hollow. And, and that's when nobody knew who Ben Martin was, by the way. Mm-hmm. So like now we know who he is. Like he's he's probably certainly uh, a better player now than he was then. And he's got the good experience. I think he's really interesting. I agree. Just kind of looking through. Okay, uh, let's do the 6K range. Let's find some value on this board. Starts with a handful of guys at 6,900. Aaron Rye, Adam Svensson, Danny Willett, et cetera, et cetera. Goes all the way down to a min price Trevor Cohn. Uh, Quinn Riley, Marcus Bird, Kelly Kraft, uh, the value here. So if if you're opting to go for some of those guys in the 10K range, you might have to dip here, Sia. So what are we what are we doing? Well, as you might expect, there's actually a lot of the names I like in this range because obviously it's an elite field. So a lot of these guys that we normally see sometimes in the 8K range, a lot of times in the 7K range are pushed down. I Looking at the top, I think Aaron Rye, Svensson and Willett are, are all in play. Even Bramlett of those four guys, Svensson and Bramlett probably for me. I think Bramlett is particularly interesting because of the, the driving distance factor um, at 6,900. And as we pull it up here, I mean, he's been... He's been striking it. Yeah, obviously, last week he struck he struck it amazing at the Mexico Open, but he's been striking it okay. Certainly not a lot of a lot of bad ball striking tournaments. Keep in mind he's in the 6900 range, and the putter's been okay. The short game, the around the green game's been pretty good. So I think Bramlett. I don't know if this this field is a little much for Joseph Bramlett. That's kind of my worry, uh, which is why I'd, I'd prefer like. If you're, if you're going to flirt with this range, why not go up to like some more experience with like a Matthew Wallace, for example, at the 7K range? But again, we're talking about the 6K range. Gordon is interesting. A guy I was big on last week was uh, MJ Duffy. And that did not go well. I mean, I, 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 was, I had a lot of good picks. I mean, I was on another guy we'll talk about in a second, Carson Young. And I, I had a lot of like sneaky plays. But MJ Duffy was one of my, quote, sneaky plays. And that did not work out. And it was only because his Thursday was horrific. He was six over. Uh, and, and on Friday, he was four under. He played like I thought he could play. So the stat profile isn't terrible at the Mexico Open because of what he did on Friday. But um, that's a guy I'm willing to go back to. And that's one of those things where if I was really big on a guy the week before, um, I'm not just going to come off of him because he literally had one bad day. So it is kind of a risk. He's he's still kind of an unknown, but he's a guy at 6,700 I'm willing to play. Um, one other name. Maybe two, Dylan Wu at 6,700. All he does is finish well. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what to tell you. Yeah. And every, every week he's $6,700 and he finishes like T15 or whatever. Exactly. So him and Brandon Wu played well last week, but Dylan Wu just continues to churn out made cuts and, and decent finishing positions. When we get to the bottom of the board, I, I might go right back to Carson Young at 6,100. Yeah. Let me pull um, up his profile here. He's, he's been great. Uh, I, I, I like him uh, quite a bit. T15 I mean, in Mexico where he gained a ton of strokes off the tee. T19 at RBC Heritage, that's an elevated event. That's mm-hmm. worth noting. He had that T3 in Puerto Rico where he had he had like a five-shot lead on Friday, finished, finished T3. Uh, T3. You could go, you could go young and young. You could have both youngs in your lineup. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then go with um Mm, I don't know. We're not ready for the narrative lineups yet, but Carson Young has played some pretty decent golf. Yeah, Dil- Dylan Wu was certainly the guy that stood out to me. I think uh, the Bramlett stat profile looked a lot better than I expected it would, quite honestly. I think mm-hmm. that Will Gordon will probably catch. Uh, I mean, he's just, for whatever reason, people love Will Gordon and any yes. any sign of life or any golf course where there's a perceived advantage with the driver, it's like Will Gordon season over and over and over again. I mm-hmm. We'll see what the ownership is, but I I don't care either way. I could just let the ownership tell me what to do on Will Gordon. Um, I'm just trying to see if there's anybody else. I I would love to go back to Alejandro Tosti, who finished mm-hmm. 10th last week. And that was awesome and just crushed it. But man, this ain't no Mexico Open. No, it's not. Uh, but I don't think he's a terrible play either. Uh, you know, there was a couple guys right below him um, as we pull his profile up. I mean, he was all, he gained seven strokes from T to Green. That's impressive. Pretty good. Um, David Lingmurth, Pierce S. and Cootie, any interest in either of those two guys? Um, no, I don't think so. I would rather 
uh, Ryan Gerard, who played well, especially on Sunday last week, 6,400. I still kind of believe in him a little bit. I would probably prefer that's uh, probably it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't love a lot. I don't, I do not believe I will get this low. Right. So 6,600 or above. Yeah. I will probably, I would probably rather, although Carson Young is very cheap. 6,100. I mean, trust me, I built some lineups with him and it's just so interesting what you can do with that. That is, I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not saying like, that's like almost minimum priced, like literally minimum priced. That's right. And he's with a bunch of guys that haven't done nearly the work that he has done. Yeah, he has more He has more top 20s in his last three starts alone than his peers have had like in their last 100 starts combined. That's right. Hmm. That is Let's put it bad. this way. Let's put it this way. If you put Carson Young, if he suddenly was at 6,800 or a flat 7K, we'd be like, oh, they're giving some respect to Carson Young. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like, so 6,100 seems like really out of whack for a guy that's really been playing well. And I don't think it's smoke and mirrors here either. He, yeah, I mean, okay. So we only have his last two measured starts and we, we could have th- thrown out the Zurich Classic anyway, good or bad. He missed the cut. I don't know who 100%. his partner was. It doesn't matter. T19 at the RBC Heritage where he gained seven strokes ball striking in an elevated event. Seven more strokes ball striking in Mexico finished T15. $100 more than the minimum. So basically, the cheapest you could even be would open up a, a lot of stuff at the top. Yeah. If you started with those, even with the, the even if you did the three that you mentioned, uh, which I think was Victor, Sungjae, Jason Day, Carson Young, now you probably got a lot of room to work with. Oh, yeah. Um, you're, you're back in the 8K range. So now you can go with a, a 7K guy that you like, whether it's the low 7K or high 7K range, and now you're right back up to like near 9,000. I'm going to try to cherry pick something real quick. Last eight rounds of ball strike numbers. Oh, yeah. It's like very, very, uh, very cherry picked here. Uh, and let me make sure I have – oh, I know what's going to happen. He's getting, he's getting dinged for the Zurich Classic standby. Because it's counting as his rounds, but it's, it doesn't want to show up. Let's see. Carson Young. Carson Young. Carson Young. Carson Young. Yeah, pretty good stroke per round. Mm-hmm. Better than Shane Lowry. Better than JT. Better than Luke Liz. Better than Sam Burns. Better than Emiliano Grillo. It's obviously only 12 rounds, but wow. All right. I'm, 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 I'm sold, I think. I mean, yeah. We brought him up. I brought him up on this show last week too. He was one of my guys in the six K range. There's no reason he should. I know it's an elevated event, but there's no reason reason for him to be sixty one hundred. He was sixty eight or sixty nine in an elevated event like three starts ago, and right. he's played he played great in that and played better since. Right. So there is no reason for him to be cheaper. <laughs> Correct. He can what be the doing? same exact price. Wow. All right. Uh, I'm under the impression we have narrative lineups. Yes, we do. We have some really good ones, actually. Like they, they came out. Are they bank? Are they bank related? Are they money related? Some are, and right. some are like themes that just like you would have never thought of. But here we are. So, if you want to build a lineup around any narrative that you want, generally it relates to the tournament or the location of the event or something, and you want to submit that lineup for us to read. Uh, you can do it on Twitter. Use the hashtag SG narrative. Probably better off uh, tagging C and Ajad as well and probably first cut. But Troy, uh, let's see what we've got for this week. Ryan, the fantasy bunker, who honestly is, is in, in my opinion, in my personal strokes gay narrative power rankings, is flying up the power ranks. Oh, yeah. He's, he's number two in the world. And frankly, Markowski's got somebody like on his tail, like for sure. I mean, listen, if you want to flip him, you can flip him and cause some controversy. But here's the thing. Markowski's too smart for me. His stuff's way over my head. Well, wait, wait until you see. see that's what I'm worried about. Next I, I can't even appreciate personally what John Markowski. It's like I understand the greatness, but I don't personally feel it as much. Well, you're not going to feel this one because it's a it's a musical reference, and you are on record as saying you've never listened to music in your He's life. He's too cultured. He's too cultured. <laughs> Ryan, on the other hand, <laughs> is Ouch, an idiot. Ryan. No, he uses <laughs> he uses emojis and puns, and I I'm in I'm in on that. So I hope this is I've not read it yet. I hope this is good, Ryan. I'm I'm pumping your tires. So I hope we I hope we find it here. He says, Quail Hollow sits on what was once the state's largest dairy farm. 
now I'm learning something. Here are a few things that you might have seen on that farm. This is like this is like a, a nursery rhyme. We, how could we go wrong with this? Okay, Colin Morikawa, moo with a with a cow emoji. Harrison Nd Cotton, boom, nailed it again. Adam had windmill. Yeah, I might see a windmill. Oh, <laughs> what is this? Adam Horse Svensson. Like the horses are fenced in. That's where I assume he's going. Maybe. Richie Horse <laughs> Minorinsky <laughs> and Hey Din Buckley. That's pretty good. Not your best, Ryan, but very good. And still near the top of the list in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, at HV3 Tracker says the Wells Fargo is at Quail. Hollow. Here's a bird inspired lineup. Oh, for the birds. Here we go. Blue Jay. <laughs> Blue Jason Day. <laughs> Carolina Rendon Todd. Uh, Ricky Fowler. <laughs> that one's easy. Just a foul. <laughs> Hen Rick Norlander. Turkey, Gin Bradley, and Baltimore Royal. Pretty the Royals. The Royals. Uh, bonus, Tim Fincham. That's good. And Blue Jay Monahan. Wow, got a couple of uh, commissions in there as well. Okay. Next up. Oh, we've got a new entry. We've got a newcomer to the mix. A rookie throwing their hat into the ring. That's right. Rebecca's actually a big early edge fan. Uh, she's always in that chat. So she's come over to the first cut and she's enjoying some of the hashtag Strosky narrative stuff. She is infiltrating another uh, CBS sports show. That is great. Welcome, Rebecca. Here we go. She says it's uh, my first attempt at this. So bear with me. Bear, that could be that could be a banking term. Yeah. Was that a thing? Did I don't we, know. Did we just do a thing, Rebecca? Did she try? To, did she? I don't know. I th- I'm going to say she did because right. this is all Wells Fargo and bank terminology. Max. <laughs> Homa Equity Loan. <laughs> That's pretty good. Victor Hav Lender Fees. Hate those lender fees. Jason Payday Loan. Oof, always with the high interest. Mm-hmm. Colin. Oh, this is so good, but so hard to say. Okay. Colin Amorkawatization. Wow. Good job. Thank you. Thank Landed you. Landed it. Stuart. Home refinancing. Reverse Taylor mortgage. Tell you what. That's a pretty strong debut. Yeah, that's an excellent debut. That's a very good debut. Well done, Rebecca. Okay, here he is. Uh, Sia's number one ranked strokes gain narrativist in the world. His name is John Markowski. A little too cultured for me. An elevated event. Sounds like elevator. Love in an elevator. John's words, not mine. Aerosmith, other Aerosmith songs. This is completely lost on me. Here we go. Dude looks like a lay day. Do you know that song, Rick? Yes, I know that song. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, All right, here we go. Because I'd miss you, babe, and I don't Han a miss a thing. (laughs) <laughs> James Hahn and that song from uh, the space movie. Oh, there you go. Right? What's that space movie? Uh, I can't remember. The one with Ben Affleck? I think so. And they, they uh, spoiler alert, they, it was like, there was like an asteroid coming. God, what's that name of that movie? It's not, yeah, I don't know. Somebody in the chat can help us. Walk this way. Talk this way. Okay, I got that one. Ramey got a gun. <laughs> that one I don't know. Jenny got a gun. Okay, That's this one, song. this one, this one, this one. You have to have like a heavy metal guitar because it's Dream On, Dream On, Benny mm-hmm. On. Uh, see, I don't know the cont. The um, sweet emotion is the song. Mm, how's that go? Well, I'm not going to sing it, but it, they the, the vowels get kind of elongated. Sweet emotion. So it would be Sahith Emotion. Yes. That's right. Armageddon. There we go. I think that's right. 
Thank you. That's from Wheeler in the chat. Yes, that's what I was thinking of. The space movie with Aerosmith. Okay. Uh, I'm sure that was very good, John. I'm sure the people liked that, but that was a pretty good set of Strokesgate narratives for the week. See, have we missed anything at all that we need to talk about for this week? Pretty interesting roster construction stuff coming. Interesting. And honestly, in those Strokesgate narrative lineups, there was a few names that I think are at least sneaky that I think are... Maybe if you're building a lot of lineups worthy of speculation, like Chad Ramey, and probably not. Stuart Sink, I think he's an interesting play. But listen, I think this is one where what we've seen lately, and actually, I shouldn't even say lately. It's been it's been since Live happened, where and and Rick, you did, did an entire show on this, where the the guys at the top of the board are just winning these tournaments. Like that's just the reality of the situation. I think we have a reprieve this week. I'm not saying Rory's not going to win or Cantley's not going to win. But what I do think is that when you have a tournament, I've said it four times already, without Scotty and without John Rahm, it lends itself to being able to almost go old school and build a little bit more creatively or bet a little bit more creatively because you don't have those two heavy hitters in the field. Now, again, it's also the win equity is still soaked up at the top, but I just think this might be the tournament where it feels a little bit like a couple years ago instead of a couple months ago. Who wins? Ooh, Monday night. Who wins? Monday night. It's Monday night. Like I'm saying, I'm, put, I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, I thought you meant the tournament's finishing Monday night. No, no, oh I'm putting God. you on the, spot, um, on the spot Monday night. I don't, I don't, you know. So I've been saying that Victor Hovland is going to win for like a couple months now. I've been like, he's ready. He's ready. And, you know, he usually just kind of like on Sunday, it's just, it's just not his day. Uh, but I'm going to go with, listen, I think Patrick Cantley of the top of the board, I think he's like, he's got a really good shot to win. But if I'm going with my gut here, it's Victor Hovland. Uh, those are actually the only two guys I've bet so far. Cantley. Wow. So we are very much on the same page. I, I would really like to see what I think would be a nice little Ricky winning mm-hmm. or Tom Kim. If Tom Kim won, everyone's brains would be fried. Because they'd be like, he wasn't <laughs> supposed to do that, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So I think that would be pretty good content. Another another guy that would be really good content, and he has shown us that he can compete on Sunday, is Sahith. Dude. I think that would be close. really interesting. And he's like, uh, right now he's 50 to 1. Even yeah. though like the odds are terrible right now, I, I think he still has like long enough odds where I think they're bettable. So 50 to 1 is pretty strong, I think. He's close. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, we'll be back uh, Tuesday, mega preview pod, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, round by round recaps for this week's Wells Fargo championship. The fan vote link for the one and done is in the description. Go get your pick in right now. Otherwise, uh, producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes and you can find Sia Najad on Twitter at Sia Najad. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.